Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Nor without saying, ich bin hier and du bist dort. Einer ist am falschen Ort. I'm Nick Outen of 40percentgerman.com and I am all alone in the podcast cave as Lord Simon of Maddox is out sick this week. Spare thought for sick note Simon though. The lad tried his best to be here but sadly to no avail. Oh well, that just leaves me a new listener. Finally, we can catch up after all these weeks. How are you? What's been happening? Is that a new haircut I see? Looks nice and not too short either. It really brings out your eyes. Did the dentist appointment go well? I hear you've been on holiday. I like your tan. Or if you didn't get a tan, I like that too. <sighs> Look, I'm not sure my sanity's going to hold through an hour of unanswered questions. So instead of putting ourselves through that trauma, me and the producer have lovingly prepared some tasty audio morsels for you to enjoy from previous pods. We've delved into the archives to find some of our best food-based conversations. There's kebabs, takeaways, stolen and cheese, and all with a side of delicious mint sauce. So without further ado, please enjoy some of our best food chats from the last year. See you all next week, and guten appetit! Ciao! I have finally decided to uh, put my money where my mouth is i guess this is hugely exciting people are actually writing about this on twitter that they are listening to the podcast for this yeah this is a watershed moment i think for us hello celebrity (laughs) (laughs) hello finally finally celebrity yeah so ladies and gentlemen i've been talking for months now Uh, in fact my hobby has been finding photos of people talking about stolen and then just saying retweeting them and saying put cheese on it (laughs) and now is the moment of truth ladies and gentlemen because i am going to try three different cheeses on stolen last year i i mentioned that i toasted stolen and people literally freaked the fuck out at the idea of toasting stolen they thought it was a horrendous idea and then uh, one of the one of the people i follow said have you tried it with cheese and i said no and then i tried it and it changed my life <laughs> quite literally right i knew this already but a lot of people have pointed out that it's quite a northern english thing to eat cheese and christmas cake and the consistency of Christmas cake is quite similar to Stollen. And so my theory goes that this is probably why I enjoy it, is it's this northern element. So what I've got here is a Christ Stollen uh, mit 27% Rosinen. It's the real shit. It's a, it's a high raisin it's percentage. It's a high raisin yeah, percentage. Yeah, wow. And I have three types of cheeses <laughs> of which I'm going to try with this Stollen live on air. The first is an Irish cheddar that I found yeah. is a peculiar shade of orange, but we can live with that. It is very orange, the Edeka one. It is. It's not a great cheddar, but it's all we can get. <laughs> Next up, I've, I've upped the ante slightly because I thought I need to have a German cheese. And to be frank, my opinion of German cheeses is quite negative. So I chose the one that I like the most, which is Bergkäse, which is a very strong cheese that is from the uh, the mountains, as the name suggests. It is six-month-aged Bergkäse that I'm going to try. And then, on the insistence of Simon, <laughs> I brought along Bergkäse Bavaria Blue, which mm-hmm. is what my wife would affectionately term a stinkkäse. Yep. Uh, so I'm worried because I'm in a very confined space right now. I'm going to open <laughs> this and basically gas myself. But on air, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to. 
I'm going to prove to you that the combination of cheese and Stalin is actually rather fantastic. And I promise neither to spit this food out, <laughs> nor will I lie to you about its, its, its quality. So I'm going to open the box now of the Stalin and tell you all about it. So, Is there any marzipan in the Stalin? I don't actually know. Um, the, the only Stalin, I was surprised, I went to the shop earlier, and the only Stalin they had was the Bio Stalin. <laughs> It's the only one they had left over, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of sugar on it. It's got a lot of sugar on the outside, which is what I want. This is part of the Stolen. Uh, you can you can appreciate the Stolen there, Simon. Do you? What do you oh, think? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's very it's, Stoliny. It's a, it's a bio Stolen, which I've never had. So you're already riding high on the wave of bio goodness. I apologise for the crinkling nature of this uh, broadcast, but it just shows that it's live. This is really happening right now. This is really have happening. Not I haven't this. tried the Stalin. I haven't tried these cheeses with the Stalin either. And what my plan is, I am going to have. I don't want to contract diabetes before the end, before the start <laughs> of Christmas. So I'm only going to do half and half, right? So I'm going to do two slices, two full slices. I'm going to half those slices, and I'm going to put a bit of cheese on each side. So that should probably tell us whether I've made a terrible, terrible error or whether, whether, ladies and gentlemen, I have come up with the greatest combination that the world has ever known. So I have my slices here. So Nick which, is also doing Simon? this in the German way with a Gefro knife as well. So Oh, yeah, I've that's... got the Gefro knife, of course. I was told it wasn't German because for some reason, oh, we don't have Gefro knives in the north. But, I mean, that's your problem, isn't it? <laughs> so which cheese should I start with, Simon? Which do you think? I think you've got to start with the cheddar. I feel that that's the weakest of the bunch. It's the one that I'm yeah. going to enjoy the most because I've done it before. I, I know it's good. So I'm going to use the Geffro knife. And we've got a build to the blue. I think the blue is going to be the most challenging. I am, I'll, I'll admit I am a little bit concerned about the blue cheese. I, um, I hate kind of, so oh, yeah. I'm just kind of concerned that I'm going to basically spew my load on, on the mic. Uh, so um, I will. I promise you I will cut that out, listener, because no one needs to You've got to a guard on it. It'll be fine. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I've got a guard on my intestine, though. So. <laughs> I think one slice, one good slice, one big, thick slice should do. Okay. So this is the Irish cheddar. So snap that in half. Stick two bits on it. That'll work. Okay. Um, you are here to verify that I have cheddared my stomach. <laughs> You've chunked a massive slab of cheddar. That's more cheddar than stolen. That's now stolen on cheese. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's a 50-50 split. So I'm going to try it now, and I'll, I'll tell you all about it in a second. Oh, I'm on tenterhooks. Well, fucking hard for moving. <laughs> oh, I redlined so my mic so a, hard then when I lost. It's such a good idea. I don't know why people aren't doing this all the time. What is wrong with the world, man? Mm. There is genuine joy on Nick's face right now, listener. He looks very happy. Oh, it's got everything, man. And maybe, <laughs> I think if it was a cathedral cheddar, cathedral city cheddar is probably a little bit milder and a little less plasticky. But regardless, this works. And if you're not trying it this Christmas, in, given that we don't have much else to do, <laughs> you, you, you're sort of, you're letting yourself down, really. Oh, he's just rammed mm. that last bit in his gullet. He's loving so it. So good. Oh, God. Right. I think that's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> I fear that this is going to go sideways now. I'm really going to know how bad it's got when I open the beer case. Oh, God. I can smell it already. I haven't opened it yet. I'm going to open it now. I am terribly worried about how it will smell because <laughs> beer usually has a distinctive odor. 
Like a bomb. So that's the... Oh. There we go. Yep, yep, I can smell it already. My office is going to smell <laughs> distinctly cheesy for at least a couple of days now. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. It is powerful. It's a powerful cheese smell that is emanating from this. It's a little bit rubbery. Does it have a rind on it? That's the question. don't think it does. Oh, you've got the heart of the Birkkeiser. So I guess an equally thick slab of Birkkeiser. Um, okay. So here goes quite literally nothing. <laughs> it's a very distinctive taste. Okay. Okay. See, Birkkeiser's got a quite foot cheese kind of smell. And initially that's what you taste. But as you chew... The stolen kicks in, and it's very much like the cheddar, frankly. Really? It works. Oh, Totally works. But the cheddar's better. Mm-hmm. Like your, your face lit up with the cheddar. Like the bouquets, you looked like mm. you were thinking about it. I was just worried of having like some terrible reaction. Now, if I was going to choose it, I probably wouldn't choose the bouquetser, but if I ran out of cheese, <laughs> if I ran out of cheddar, and all I had was a bit of bouquetser knocking around, it would do quite well. Yeah, okay, the aftertaste is quite, mm. it's quite luxurious. Oh, mm. I didn't see that coming. I thought the Birkhaze was going to have that, that hay flavour that would just overwhelm. Nah, nah, it had. I think the stronger, like I reckon if you went to Austria <laughs> and got the most burgiest Birkhaze, you probably would have that issue. But now, now comes the real test. What I like about Bavaria Blues, mm-hmm. it comes in a nice little like half circle packet. But it is a foul-smelling beast. <laughs> and we know it's foul-smelling because not only is it in a nicely prepared half-circle box, but there's also some cheesy uh, <laughs> cheese paper or cheese plastic, I don't know, cheese foil maybe. Uh, and and I, I suspect as soon as I put open this, <laughs> ooh, that's, that's an oh dear, shall we say. <laughs> it's, a, it's a soft blue veiny cheese it's, uh, i feel like that might be too much but at the same time i don't want to take the piss is that i mean would you there's still a bit of cheese left right but is that enough yeah that's that's definitely enough of bavarian blue yeah thank god that the uh simon the snowman is is, is, is so decent with the lord of christmas otherwise yeah, more than that would be terribly wrong for me it would just be overpowering for sure well we are doing this for science. So, listener, I'd like you to remember that you can donate to the podcast, kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com. And the reason I ask you that is because I'm clearly going to die after I eat this, and Simon is going to need a retirement <laughs> fund of some kind, um, unless he chooses to continue doing the podcast without me, which I hope he doesn't, because that would be a real betrayal of our relationship. <laughs> okay, remember, listener, I'm doing this for you. I, 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 I loved you all, and I love you, Simon. I'll miss love you when I'm much. gone. <laughs> Danke schön. <laughs> okay, here goes. Hopefully, this is going to be the best one. It's going to come out left field. Fucking <laughs> hell. Fucking hell, it. that's re- that is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite creamy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the start. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely got a, like, blue vein flavor. Mm-hmm. It's quite sharp. Marries together perfectly. I don't know what anyone's complaining about. I would happily eat the rest of that with that cheese. That's pretty solid. <laughs> it would make. I think it would make you incredibly sick. But 
Mm-hmm. I think you, you got signed to introduce your family to. Oh, I'm having some more of that. <laughs> He's going in for I'm, seconds. I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing that again. That was fucking really good. That actually might be the best of the three. Weirdly, yeah, I did. I did have a sneaky suspicion when I said you need to get um, something creamy and blue. Yeah, I was kind of. I just thought you wanted to see if I'd vomit on. No, I, on, I, on I the, genuinely on thought like a Stilton, a Stilton replacement was going to be the answer. I think Stilton would be pretty good with it too. Wensleydale's usually pretty nice. That would be a go-to. Yeah, I'm going to have another one of these. Chin, chin, <laughs> listener. This is not what anyone would have anticipated. I think we put a Twitter poll out before the recording. Is Nick going to enjoy three different cheeses on his stroller? Only massive fans of yours would have would have voted for you. That was so good. Like, can we do that every episode? That was amazing. <laughs> what we can do is we can do every week, we can try a different German food <laughs> with Bavarian blue on top. <laughs> and see see how long it takes me to lose my mind. Now, yeah. like, listener, if you live in Germany, even if you don't live in Germany, if you can get access to some good cheese and a good bit of Stollen, try it for yourself. I heartily recommend that you toast it first. That would be the, my preference, but I just didn't have time. But that was, man, like, I'm so happy that worked. I was really concerned when I was buying it. I was really concerned it was going to go terribly wrong for me. I'm probably going to have horrible acid reflux. But, <laughs> but that was, that's a revelation, that is. I would never have thought the Bavarian Blue would work that well. There you go, man. Yeah, I'm kind of sad. I don't have any in my fridge. I'm sad. I want to try this now. It looked like it was really, really effective. I would say, I would say, of the three, the Bavarian Blue is easily the best. Um, I think I still, I'm going to try it with some Cathedral City later in the week. I might record that or make a video or something and stick it online. I think that's a good idea. All I can say to those those cheese stolen haters is, <laughs> got to try it before you can complain, because friends. I, I am the Lord of Christmas, and the Lord of Christmas <laughs> says, eat your stolen with cheese. If we do go out on a night out, usually it would end, as we've discussed, I think, some point last year, in having a, a nice, lovely kebab. But you, Simon, have seem to have, have come across one of the most horrendous kebab <sighs> versions that and also probably the most german kebab version that you yeah. come up with so <laughs> tell, really is. tell me about your harrowing experience well i mean you pointed in the direction of us with the quote uh, that started us off when the sky cries the earth comes to life and this is a hawaiian proverb and so yeah karen one of our listeners posted this and i was horrified this is a hawaii donatella so in german mid case uh, ananas and sauce of hollandaise so this is a plate with donut meat um, covered in cheese and then pineapple and hollandaise sauce and they're calling it the hawaiian donner kebab plate and it's just it's so upsetting <laughs> to see this not like a secret thing you have to ask for but actually written on their menu and it's above the balkan teller which is just sad because the balkan teller has got chibachichi oh yes please fuck this it is a disgrace and no more, please. The sauce hollandaise is a real bold decision, right? Oh. It's like because it just sounds like a list of things that don't go together. What foods don't go together? These <laughs> kebab and kebab and pineapple. Hollandaise, like the, it contains the name of another nation in it. Like you can't even just make it like horse Hawaiianese and just pretend. <laughs> But no, it's. I mean, the the ananas, pineapple. I know. I think it might work. The sweet and the and the and the juiciness of the ananas might work in certain kebab things. 
I'm not totally against it. I would never order it. But if someone did, I wouldn't think they were a madman. But if they had said, and I want the hollandaise sauce on my pineapple, please, uh, that really is a fatality right there. That's disgraceful. So thanks, Karen. <laughs> Something's so 70s, and there's some, there's, there's like a, there is some kind of familial relationship between toast Hawaii, which is white bread, mm-hmm. uh, ham, a, a circle of pineapple, and cheese on top. And a cherry in some instances. And a cherry. <laughs> why? Why not? I mean, if we're doing if we're doing weird shit, let's do that. And like the hedgehogs used to get it. Terrible parties that would have like pineapple and cheese and grapes and stuff on them. So there's like some connection I get there. But I w- I'd love to know, Karen, if you're listening, right? Like you're the only person who can collect this data for us. But go to that kebab place and just ask them, Scott, how many of them do you sell a year? And is there a list? Of, do you keep a list of the names of those people? And do you send that list to the police? Because <laughs> you clearly got a customer base of deviants. Yeah, the ordnance amp need to know about this. <laughs> like, that's the kind of data collection that I think is vital in, in this day and age. Don't know about you, but there's at least four people a year who are buying Hawaiian kebabs. I want to know who those people are. I want to know if I live next door to one of them. <laughs> yeah, assemble a register, please. Exactly. <laughs> Horrendous. I don't know. I, I guess the pineapple gets a gets a, a raw deal because people love the debate. It's one of those like perennial internet debates where it's, do you like pineapple on pizza? Like I've never been fussed about pineapple on pizza personally. I don't really care, but people get really animated about it. It, it just it's an odd hill to choose to die on. And it, also, it just strikes like a cry for help, no? Like, people who are just like, yeah, I, I like... It's fine that you do, but as you say, it, it does become quite volatile. People do get quite upset if you criticise it. Mm. And it's like, I love jalapenos on my pizza. If someone was like, jalapenos, you're a madman. How ugh, disgusting. I wouldn't be like, how dare you? How dare you? Um, and that's, that's the vibe you get from these uh, pineapple lovers. <laughs> Sounds like a really harsh insult, that. I can't say anything about weird food choices because I spent a month talking about cheese in Stalin. And so, I mean, it would seem slightly hypocritical. But We're doing do, it anyway. <laughs> I, no, I mean, I don't. I'd totally, if you want to eat whatever you want to eat, enjoy it. It also suggests they know their customers way better than we do. But I'm again, Karen, find out. I need you to find out, really. I will not sleep until I know how many people are buying Hawaiian kebabs. I mean, the other side of it is I do enjoy the look on my German family's faces when I do something that is particularly normal food etiquette in Britain and just isn't here. Like I was having, we're having lunch and it was broadside. And so I had some peanut butter. Uh, My wife likes to have a bit of jam on bread after having eaten her lunch. And so bread, peanut butter, jam, it all came together. Bang, I'm there happily making myself a peanut butter and jam not sandwich because it was open top but you know i'm collecting it together it's happening right (laughs) and i looked up and looked up and the faces of my parents-in-law and my wife were just like it was almost like they'd seen a horrific accident (laughs) like the look on their faces and they're like are you putting jam on your peanut butter and i'm like what are you talking about like it's the most normal and it's in those moments where you realize oh like this thing that's completely normal in my culture just isn't to these people. And it's not necessarily to German wide, just this group of particular people. I'll say if they, if they had no exposure to American TV, because P- really. PB&J is just is such a big part of sandwich culture on American TV shows, especially like 80s and 90s ones. Everyone was eating PB&J. The other one is when I dip my biscuits in my tea. Mm. 
And I do that ritually. If you give me a cup of tea and there's biscuits available, that combination is going to occur. And every time I've done it in front of people, whether it's my, my German family or just people, they always... <laughs> They always just like look at me like I'm deranged. But then I see people deep dipping cake in their in their tea, and I find that slightly deranged because it's like the consistency clearly isn't. It's not designed to be dipped. No. <laughs> you can cause yourself a problem. There's going to be bits in your tea. That's really not a dippable thing, cake. Like that's that's madness. Each to their own, I suppose. But I just always find it a bit strange. Like the things that I do that seem particularly normal always, you know cause some kind of an extreme reaction that isn't really warranted to what I'm doing. <laughs> so I suppose we just have to accept that the Hawaiian kebab exists. I don't know why my voice cracked. <laughs> Hawaiian kebab! The Hawaiian kebab does exist. Somebody does enjoy it. Unless it's like an extreme practical joke and they don't actually make it. This is all for but just Twitter exposure. This menu doesn't exist. This it. kebab house is just seeing their visitation numbers slowly tick up. Yeah, exactly. Could be exactly that. Actually, the place I really want to start with the podcast is a weird thing that you mentioned in a chat earlier this week. Mint sauce is always a topic of interest for germans they can't yeah. fully understand why mint sauce is such a prized delicacy among the british and uh we, we were talking about your dinner plans and you said that you would have mint sauce with beef and i assumed that was a joke but now i'm beginning to wonder if that's actually the case i mean i wasn't planning on having the mint sauce on the beef directly but if if that happened, I would have no problem with it. But the mint sauce it works with everything. It goes on the roast potatoes. That's that is my not favorite. True. That's my favorite part. The roast potatoes and mint sauce. It goes great with runner beans. Um, it works. It works with broccoli. Like all the vegetables I make roast with, they all taste good with mint sauce. Now this is the interesting thing here because you appear to be a roast traditionalist of the highest order. <laughs> I am, and I think you need to you need to break away from the chains of bondage when it comes to what goes with what on a roast dinner. What is the problem with having mint sauce and beef? The way you've outlined it there makes a hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> and I know that peas are often mixed with mint. Mm -hmm. Like, so I can get that. I'm a little bit sceptical about the mint sauce and roast potatoes, but... Oh, it's so good. It really is so good. Everyone's got their uh, their peccadillos, right? But um, uh -huh. beef and mint sauce just objectively does not go together. Those, that's it a does, combina it, It's a combination of things that does not go together. Mustard, sure. Mm -hmm. Have at you. I understand as well that I'm incredibly inconsistent with my mixing of different food products. Cheese and Stalin! So <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to I'm going to take a step back and have an open mind and you're going to have to explain to me how the hell you came up with that combination is that like some kind of family recipe or is that like an, a happy accident or what No no not at all no it's it's just that I don't care like mint sauce is just if if mint sauce is available and there's a roast I'm going to add the mint sauce to that roast chicken beef lamb pork I'm going to have mint sauce on my plate if it's available now I am going to differentiate between mint sauce and mint jelly because mint jelly I wouldn't use but mint sauce because it's basically vinegar and mm -hmm. and mint it's the vinegar flavor it's that that sour that bite that's where that's where the magic happens i think and that's what it, that's what works with all of these vegetables you need to try some proper vinegary mint sauce on your roast potatoes i i guarantee you you'll like it 
you like mint sauce with lamb, therefore you like mint sauce, it will work. You'll be a happier man. I mean, this all stems originally from uh, when we were meeting for our last roast together mm-hmm. with our friend Stu, and he had requested Yorkshire mm-hmm. puddings. And because of your, your traditionalism, you, you were kind of slightly perturbed at the idea of doing Yorkshire puddings when it wasn't going to be beef. I feel that's a bit of fake news because I would always eat Yorkshire puddings with pretty much anything. <laughs> like, if you just said, like, let's have Yorkshire puddings on their own, I'd eat them, I'd have no problem. I, I, I like the idea okay. of... I thought it was funny that he thought that Yorkshire puddings would go with chicken. They go with everything. I don't think he did, ultimately, but I did like the idea that somehow in, in sort of Scotland there was a misconception about what Yorkshire puddings went with. So that was fun. But they go with everything. Like, obviously, the beef and Yorkshire pudding is the, the classic. That's that's the one that everyone sort of reverts to. But, of course, one of the main things that's done with the, the batter of a Yorkshire pudding, when it's not a Yorkshire pudding, is you make toad in a hole. And toad in a hole, for those that don't know, is sausages baked in this tag and the, the batter like rises up and around mm-hmm. the sausages mm-hmm. it crisps up you pour gravel over so they go pork mm-hmm. and so why not chicken like it, it worked we we know it worked it was delicious i mean it was i uh, and of course it's yorkshire pudding so it's going to be good <laughs> i don't know i just like i try it I think I'll, I'll try it and i'll tell you i think that's the best i can offer you because ultimately that's fine um the uh, <laughs> It's like some kind of transaction. It's the best I can offer you is that I'll try it. Um, it seems like it won't go together. Like cranberry um, jelly and turkey, but cranberry jelly and beef? Yeah, but you're comparing sweet and sour now, and that, of course that doesn't work. But if you can think of another sour, sort of acidic, biting sauce, that would work. But yeah, cranberry, I'm only putting on, on geflugel. Uh, has to have wings for the for the cranberry to work. Although, although actually no, cranberry and sausage. I think that would work quite nicely. But the sweet with with the pork sausage, I suppose. I guess the the issue I probably have isn't one of being a roast dinner pedant. (laughs) It's rather that I think you have more roast dinners than I do, which gives you more opportunity (laughs) for experimentation. Whereas I have maybe four roast dinners a year. If that's how many I'm actually having, I would be very traditional about it Uh because. I'm not going to get one next, like the next one I might get six months' time. That's probably why I'm being a bit of a stick in the mud about it. Yeah, I'm doing four a month at the moment. So, yeah, I'm definitely. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that's what I need to do is just up my roast dinner intake and then I can feel more comfortable with the experimentation. There are a couple of reasons for me. I mean, one of the things is that mint sauce, the vinegary mint sauce, the the, the, the liquidy mint sauce, is something that my granddad made. We always had homemade mint sauce, and so it's a flavour that just rem- that literally transports me back uh, to Telford, mm. visiting my grandparents. And so there's something very, something very nice and nostalgic about that flavour for me. But it's also because, obviously, to get things from Britain these days post brexit is very very expensive and so gone are the days of just buying a, a jar of branston pickle a tin of coleman's yeah like yeah. you can get those things but you have to either be willing to pay double or triple or you have to get lucky and i, I ordered three things of mint sauce when i found the chance where it was reasonable mm. and so it's just something that adds authenticity to any roast i do like I'm, I'm cooking in Germany with, with German products. Obviously, it's not a big difference between a German potato and a British one. But as soon as I slap some mint sauce on that plate, it becomes 
very much an English roast. And I think that's that's what I like about it the most. I mean, you say that about the potatoes, but I had like a potato, not crisis is probably too extreme, <laughs> but I had a potato issue last week where I bought the wrong potatoes. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. And what there's two different types of potato you could buy in Germany. Festkochend. That's it. And uh, Mehlig. Right. And I think I bought Mehlig. Yeah, that's horrible. In fact, I'm almost certain, right? And my wife was like, you can't do things with these yeah. potatoes that you can do with the other ones. And I was like, what are the, the fucking potatoes? Like, <laughs> but I realized the reason, and like, I, honestly, I still believe that. And uh, they're just potatoes, aren't they? I mean, like, what? This is, this is very much a tell me you've never been to Peru. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Like, there, are, there are hundreds of varieties of potatoes. And obviously, we have these two schools in Germany, Festkochen and Mehlig. But yeah, there's there are things you can and can't there's, do with. There's them three sure. types of potato, Simon. There's there's big potatoes, there's small potatoes, <laughs> and there's there's um, sweet potatoes. There's your three potatoes. I don't know what everyone's getting so so troubled about. Ultimately, so what did you try to make with the wrong potato? I can't remember. And did it work? I don't, and it, it, all I remember is the argument. I don't remember the outcome, which <laughs> tells me a lot about why, whether the potato issue was really an issue or not. I also thought that maybe the reason was the name. It's not that it's in German, but you have like, is it Prince Edwards? Yeah, Prince Edwards. Yeah, right. So like, that's the kind of potato. Like, you, that's how my brain, I guess, was working. Was I'd see, well, I don't need. I need Prince Edwards, and then I buy them. Or I don't need them, so I'd buy the other ones. And so that's I think that's part of the problem, is that my brain's programmed to acknowledge the the obvious uh, royalty of the, any particular potato that I'm buying. See, you're falling into the classic English trap of just choosing the, the, the fruit or vegetable that's named after a monarch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's easily yeah. done. Potato culture, I think, is, 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 if anything, it's more developed in the uk and there are a lot of different potatoes that when i read you this list you're going to be like oh yeah i've heard of that potato so let's let's do a quick potato quiz this was not potato planned. quiz this was not planned well, like all. you did a nice theme tune at the start of the last pop quiz yet last week so i'd like some kind of theme tune from you before okay, give begin. me a second here is the potato <laughs> that was I, I can only imagine that we're going to get fan mail t- demanding that we repeat the potato quiz for that theme tune alone <laughs> okay go on give me the potato quiz okay so just, it's just uh, have you heard of this type of potato before it's as simple as that i think i'm ready charlotte yes there you go long oval and waxy with a subtle flavor apparently jersey royals yes of definitely. course of course you've heard of the jersey royal it is named after a monarch and that's uh, <laughs> that's good enough unmistakably sweet summery flavor best simply boiled and dressed in butter and herbs that's it's a it's a cracking uh kartoffel salad potato king edward you've mentioned so we know him marabelle mm, uh, no marabelle is apparently one of the best potatoes for mashing Thanks to its incredibly creamy texture and rich, sweet flavour. So if you like a mash, have a Maribel. I'll remember that. Maris Piper. Yes, definitely Maris Piper potatoes. Of, of course. Purple Majesty. Are you shopping in Waitrose? Is this what? Is this the way you're telling me that you shop at Waitrose? No, I've never heard of those. It's from Prince Charles's estate. Now, the Purple Majesty is an interesting one because we've already mentioned Peru, and Peru is the home of the potato. And of course, in Europe, when we think of potatoes, they basically all look basically the same they're sort of tan brown colors with white insides but a lot of andean potatoes are purple in the same way that the original carrot 
is purple. Orange carrots are a product of hundreds and hundreds of years of, of selective farming. I feel you're, you're blowing my mind here. Yeah, yeah. So the purple majesty is it's a purple potato. Looks incredible when you slice through it. It's, it's, but yeah, it's from the Andean Mountains. Also full of antioxidants. Unique flavour and texture can be mashed, baked or roasted. It is a versatile thing, the purple majesty. Next one, russet. Yes, russet, of course. It's a classic. It's a classic. It is the chip or wedge potato. Most chips in the UK are made from russet. Uh, very fluffy, pale yellow, and they turn golden brown when fried. And of course, that's what you need mm-hmm. in, a, in a pomace. Exactly. Yeah. I have one last one. V for Vivaldi. Vivaldi potatoes? Mm-hmm. That's not one I've particularly come across. Well, it might be one you want because the description is rich, creamy, and sweet. These potatoes taste like they've already been buttered. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Is it called Vivaldi p- potatoes because they, they, they come in four seasons? <laughs> Go on, go listener, appreciate. (laughs) That's good. I didn't see that one coming. Well done, well done. (gasps) Uh, I'm a comedy fucking genius. No, past Nick. You're not a fucking comedy genius. You're an idiot. Of course, that's why they're called Vivaldi potatoes. You knew that, didn't you, listener? According to the Wikipedia page, the name was chosen as a reference to Antonio Vivaldi, since, as the potatoes are grown both in the UK and overseas, they are available during all four seasons of the year. (sighs) Pretty comprehensive potato list. (laughs) I skipped loads. That's that's half of them. Still not convinced about mint sauce and beef, but again, I guess I'll just have to work it all out. One, the final question back to Peru. How many types of potatoes do you think there are? In Peru. Three, like I said. <laughs> There's big ones, small <laughs> ones, and sweet ones. You've got the first the first digit is three. Three uh, hundred? Nope. Three hundred thousand? <laughs> gone, that's quite an extreme job. Three thousand eight hundred different types of potatoes in Peru. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. No. They got a lot of options. They do. A lot of options for chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of potato dishes, naturally, in Peruvian cooking. Uh, it's all really good. And they're called papa as well. Papa Blanca, Papa Amaria, uh, Paricholo. Like, it's all papa, which is nice. It's, it's fun oh, to say quite, papa. I quite like that. I think, I think I'm going to start calling the potato. Kartoffel sounds quite... Yeah. It's quite quite harsh isn't it i'm just going to tr- suggest a new theme tune for the quiz then it's just going to call me big papa <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm vetoing in this 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 is the end of the quiz no more potato quizzes <laughs> Dear Simon, are we talking about kebabs again? There is kebab news, and it's not every day we get to do kebab news, so I'm quite excited. The other day, maybe two weeks ago, we were walking uh, towards the woods from our house, and our local pizza place, which is literally on the corner, had a handwritten sign in the window that informed the, the population of my village that the shop was shut and that it was open for sale. Like If you wanted to buy a pizza shop, they were, they were listening to offers, and they had a, a handwritten mobile phone number, no price, nothing. My wife and I walked past, and like, oh, that, that's interesting. I wonder what's going to happen there. And then we spent about two hours on our walk brainstorming all the different business ideas that we had for the shop and all of our hopes and dreams uh, for what might happen to it. Uh, top of the list was uh, a cannabis shop, but <laughs> it's a bit too soon uh, for the local economy to face those realities. On our return from another walk yesterday... 
we saw a new sign, printed sign. Someone has a fucking printer now. And it informed us that there is a new pizza and kebab house coming. Oh, and kebab. Good. So I'm going to have a kebab house 15 metres from my house in the future. And it's the only thing that's been missing <laughs> since I moved to the suburbs. When we open Leaferando or any sort of delivery app or just try and get food from any of the local restaurants, it's like 95% Italian places, which is fine. I love a pizza. But the one food that I just couldn't get without having to get in the car or walk for an hour and a half uh, was a kebab, any Turkish food. So I am thrilled. I am giddy with excitement about the possibility of kebabs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the near future. Kebabs for breakfast. That's a, a bold a bold statement, but not unheard of. Um, the thing I was thinking, I mean, I'm not surprised the pizza place is closing down. I'll be honest, I've never seen anybody in there. Every time I've driven past, it's either closed or empty. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The pizzas were actually quite good. Like, the crust and the base was very, very nice and had good sauce. But they they didn't have much in the way of pizzas that I really like. And I'm not massively choosy, but they didn't have anything with anchovies on it, which I think is kind of a staple if you're doing pizza. And the uh, the Diavolo, which is a sort of standard spicy pizza that you get almost everywhere, uh, he had olives that had the stones in. And I think that's okay. Like Olives with stones taste fine, but you need to like let people know that, I think. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> just a risk of like massive dental ruptures. Uh, and high bills. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a bit of an issue. And one time we called to place an order and he said that he didn't have the salad that my wife's friend wanted. My wife then asked her friend, oh, what would you like instead? And in that period of her asking, he hung up, we think. <laughs> Customer service at its best. And then we went over uh, and we're like, we just called and like, we're your neighbours and we live just over there. And he's like, oh yeah, the phone line sometimes is, is not very good. And yeah, so I think he was just a bit of an impatient prick. <laughs> so I'm not not too sad. But it's a very convenient location. So uh, God willing, the good people of Everest Kebab and Pizza will be nice. And I'm going to be there on opening day and introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is my usual order. <laughs> it's chili sauce and garlic sauce and a, a bit of kebab yeah uh, it feels like there's a like a life lesson there uh, every time a, a pizza shop closes a kebab shop opens <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bit of wisdom it's going to take a long time for this uh take over the, my local area but i look at so many italian places and most of them are subpar mm. um i mean yeah bavaria has loads of italians historically that loads moved here in the 50s and 60s and so there are really fantastic pizza places all over bavaria and of course all over germany but it seems i mean we've tried 10 i guess in the last eight months since we moved here and there have been two that i would say were like decent and the majority have been disappointing there's loads of good like pizza restaurants Mm -hmm. I, I never go go hungry if I'm looking for a decent pizza, if I'm going to willingly sit down in a restaurant. But one of the things that the pandemic definitely highlighted was the insane lack of good takeaway pizza places. I mean, we were, before we moved, lived in the city centre of Augsburg. And so we were kind of lucky that there was two or three pizza places. There was one that was amazing by the Dome. I think it's just called pizza by dome or something. <laughs> it wasn't really imagined <laughs> but it, you walk past it smelled amazing and it tasted amazing 
and they did uh, take away. But the best pizza was from this really nice restaurant that had started doing pickup deliveries. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was like the best pizza that you could, I mean, it's not surprising the people in the, uh, in the kitchen were from Naples and that's, and if you know your pizzas, then Naples is the place to get a pizza. Yeah. I believe it's the origin of the pizza is Naples, but so it was solid. It was really, really good. Um, but as we've moved out of the sticks, we basically suffer these kind of combi places that do mm-hmm. b- burgers and pizzas and neither of them are good. Yeah. Like I remember ordering a burger a while ago because I, I refused to eat at McDonald's after working there as a teenager and seeing, yeah, seeing how it's made. It's not really something I want to <laughs> think about. And so got, I got a burger from there. It was so subpar. It was so disappointing. Like all I wanted was a bacon double cheeseburger. Like how do you fuck that up? Oh, wait, <laughs> these guys definitely fucked it up. Uh, and the pizzas are just, it, the, the taste, the base is like a frozen pizza and mm-hmm. then it's just like loads of cheese on the top. And it's just like, come on, make a freaking effort. Yeah. Like really, it's like the two things. And and I think we've talked about takeaway food being pretty naff generally. Like the, there's a place that I ordered from that had like amazing food and then it closed. Mm. Like, for, for, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like everywhere I like closes. I did mean read a pretty amazing review of one of the local places here, which made me stop in my tracks where the person said, we are regular customers, which are Stamkunden. Um, but a lot of the time the paper, <laughs> the pizza tastes like paper. I was just like, what? <laughs> Why are you a regular well, don't customer eat then, yeah. for this product that tastes like paper? Um, but yeah, I think people are just sort of held hostage by proximity or lo- mm-hmm. a sense of loyalty, maybe. We used to live near a place that was called Pizza Roberto. And he was a lovely Italian man. He'd had the same shop for 25 years and he looked like he'd been doing it for five. Like he'd aged like fine, fine wine. <laughs> he looked incredible. <laughs> and they only did delivery, uh, take, take out. There was no delivery, no place to eat, but it was just incredible pizza. And then he, I don't know, at the start of COVID, took a break or trained people. And there was a patchy two-month period, but eventually he got them dialed in. And yeah, even now, whenever my wife talks about going into the city, we're always like, should we, should we get pizza Roberto and bring it back? Haven't done it yet, but the dream lives on. And one day we'll visit Pizzeria <laughs> Roberto and say, Allo Roberto. It's funny that, I mean, because we're both around the same time we both sort of moved out of the city and like i don't miss it that much especially at the moment but there's always like seven or eight things i want to do when i go and Augs- go in augsburg and I, I and i get like one of them done there's always like i want to go here and i go, go to that place i really enjoyed but like so you sort of don't have that relaxed kind of it's there all the time so you can just go to the mm. ice cream place that you like or you can go at the restaurant that you like and um i mean maybe that'll change as the summer progresses but i think it is the nature of the further outside of the city of cities you live in germany the less less quality like even stupid stuff like our supermarket like it's a big supermarket it's a raver and it doesn't have cotton buds like process that doesn't like and unless they're putting the cotton buds next to the fucking ice cream (laughs) or next to the i don't know the the vegetables there's no cotton buds, and um, I couldn't get a bottle of Kahlua, which I feel like, okay, I can reasonably understand why I can't get a bottle of Kahlua, but I could get like bottles of every other fucking alcohol under the sun, stuff I'd never even heard of. Um, but like, it was just weird, and it's like a weird selection of options. You're sort of subject to whatever's within a certain sphere of, of distance. But for me, like, there's, there's a town that's maybe, it's maybe 15 minutes away by car, and 
I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go to this one because it's better, this supermarket because it's better. My wife's like, oh, it just takes forever. It's just why we're we going there. I'm like, it's like 10 minutes extra. I don't understand the problem. But like, I don't know whether that's a people who live in villages and drive cars versus someone who walked everywhere. Like if you walked everywhere and took public transport for a lot, long, large portion of your life, getting in a car and driving for 15 minutes is fucking nothing. Do you and your wife go to the supermarket together at the moment? No, no, not, not okay. that much. Occasionally, but most of the time it's me and my daughter. Okay. I say a family trip. I like, I, me and the wife haven't been to the supermarket together. Unless it was like, oh, there's one there. We'll just pop in. We haven't planned a shopping trip together. Uh, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare <laughs> because cause I've got... Because I worked in the supermarket, I've got a very streamlined process mm-hmm. for everything. I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. Like I know, I know where everything is, mm-hmm. and then you get it all in the right order, mm-hmm. and then you can sort of like you save some time by just collecting everything as quickly as possible, and then you can sort of have a look and see if there's anything worth like picking up. And then the packing is always important because mm-hmm. because the, the way the 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 scan products here, and this is. I'm sure anyone who's listening to this knows. Maybe not. Most supermarkets will just scan and fire the, the shopping at you. So when I put everything on the conveyor belt, it's ordered by weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So everything's heavy at the front, yeah. so that it's going to go in the bottom of the bags, and then everything. This and, and when my wife goes to shopping, it's just it's just fucking chaos. It's like I'm opening <laughs> a bag, like why are the eggs on the bottom? Oh, like just infuriating. Yeah, that's, you know, that's it's just bizarre. Just with fun. Yeah, yeah. And we just get into a petty argument about <laughs> like because it's, it's 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 meaningless but it's also meaningful oh it's very and, meaningful i you know I'm, i yeah i get it i get it so i feel like we can just avoid arguments if we just don't shop together <laughs> if we just don't talk to, if we just never talk yeah. to each other we're never in the same room there'll never be any arguments <laughs> you've had the child the, the happy marriage is consummated surely at this point <laughs> yeah apparently you've got to keep maintaining it mate you watch out for that uh, <laughs> now i'm filled with a foreboding dread that i missed something along the way here i thought i was just focused on like yeah just cooking correctly <laughs> oh no i think there's like i think as well it's because my wife used to complain about how we didn't have anything in common because uh, we don't really like the same films and she's quite serious and i'm quite well i'm i'm sure you, if you've listened to the podcast <laughs> the you know exactly what i what i am you know <laughs> um like for christmas i bought her like tickets to go see a musical that she really wanted and she bought me a a neon gorilla statue that says everything i think about our like relationship she's like let's go out for a show and i'm like can i get this neon gorilla statue with a green hat it's like all i want and she just (laughs) still doesn't understand why i'm so happy with it it's the best thing ever (laughs) but one thing we do have in common is that we both have like a terminal level of stubbornness (laughs) <laughs> like, like there's no like we're so stubborn and it'll just causes them the, the dumbest arguments because we're just constantly just being we're just intractable we won't we won't sort of admit when we're wrong until like the, the dust is settled and then like oh, sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah we're both we both know each each one of us inside our heads has gone i'm still fucking right though <laughs> Yeah, you're brave for talking about that on the show. <laughs> I think she stopped listening after about episode thirty. So if she, the way, the way I'll know that she's listened to it is she'll she'll come steaming up the stairs to shout. <laughs> My wife still listens. Often she listens in the bath. And every now and again, I'll walk into the kitchen and I hear your voice and my wife laughing in the in the bathroom. And there is a, a split second. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, <gasps> what the fuck's going on here? 
I mean, I am I am a humorous mm-hmm. fellow. It's so. only because I can't hear my own voice, which is so deep and, and resonant and, and, and sexy. I have to filter it. I, I have to make I have to make women laugh in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds so wrong, but yeah. it does. someone's wife is definitely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the end of the podcast. <laughs> I remember when we did the Tuesday record a few weeks ago and I messaged you as I was listening to it. And I was like, there's a distinct lack of energy. <laughs> like Tuesday <laughs> nights are not a good day. Or I think evenings are not a good day to podcast unless we're drinking. But um, oh God, I couldn't face drinking on a Tuesday. I, I, I'm open to the suggestion. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have anything against it. Well, I got the semester break, so I have a lot of marking to do. But it does mean that I don't have to wake up at crack of dawn. I think if I have to, if I know I have to be up at before eight on a weekday, having a beer just really just turns me off. Like it has to be something, <laughs> has to be something extreme. I, cause I remember many moons ago when we would watch football on a weekday, like we'd watch Champions League games and have a few beers and I'd wake up and I'd be fine and go to work the next day and it wouldn't be an issue. But doing that now, the energy levels really are not there, so... <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. want to suffer that if I can avoid it. Need, need, I need an exceptional hangover cure. This is what is still lacking. It's 2022, and there's still not a really good hangover cure. There's nothing universal apart from drinking more alcohol, and that's not always great news. We made a goddamn COVID vaccine in a year. How can they not make a hangover <laughs> hangover cure? I mean, whoever makes it is going to be an absolute billionaire in a matter of weeks i don't know why there aren't more firms investing <laughs> in this r&d like the whenever i think of hangover cures my mind goes back to back to the future three <laughs> where he has the hangover cure in that and it's like an egg mm-hmm. and tabasco sauce and a shot of whiskey or something there's like loads of ingredients and he drinks it and passes out <laughs> like i feel like it has to be a combination of of things that would make a hangover cure. You suggested having a breakfast has given you a bit of pep. So it has to have like a breakfast element to it, possibly. I mean, for me, my, my fantasy one is always a Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't have vodka and tomato juice at home, and I, I probably should. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my ultimate. It has the Tabasco. Yeah. Uh, tomato, I guess, is breakfast adjacent. But I mean, there are lots of places, especially in the US, where if you order a Bloody Mary, they will have like bacon. Uh, as like a garnish as really? well. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a barbecue place uh, in southeast Portland that did that. They had like curled rashers of bacon on, on sticks with olives. And that was, that was fucking divine. It really is the land of opportunity. Shout out it? to Clay's on Division. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, actually, I mean, that does sound quite exciting. I, I, usually when I, again, I think of Bloody Mary's in the context of having like a, a large weekend or doing sort of stag night or something where you wake up the next day and you know you're going to be drinking and you need to ease yourself back into the the rhythm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bloody Mary on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning sounds like a horrendous idea. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> going to just knock this. Yes, Nick, you have an issue. I was going to have a Virgin Bloody Mary, but that's not really the same. See, I, I, I love a Virgin Bloody yeah. Mary. Just really spicy, really peppery, lots of Worcester sauce, just heavy on all the, all the ingredients. Um, yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. But I say I don't have any at home because my wife doesn't like it, so I just never buy it. It's weird. I should. I put it on the list. Yeah, you should do. You should sort that out. So yeah, 
It's an error, error in judgment. Next week, Bloody Mary. <laughs> so we'll just be drinking Bloody Marys on the podcast. Doesn't sound that bad, really. Um, yeah, I was uh, with my mind on the idea of terrible combinations. I came across. Well, it's a, it's a curious story. So Dotka was posting the other day about making a fish finger pizza. This is Dr. Oetker, the food brand, not um, <laughs> a strange PhD holder. It's Dr. Oetker, <laughs> the evil genius at this point. But um, yeah, so he, he um, the company, Dotka Oetker, because Dotka Oetker has been dead for a, for a number of decades, he, uh, he did it again. <laughs> they... Released a load of tweets. I mean, apparently the story goes back to last year or the year before where there was a April Fool's Day joke about them making a fish finger pizza. And then this year they've said, oh, we're going to make it for real this time in a limited run. Everyone's unconvinced as to whether it's a real thing. I found it, tweeted it, and a lot of people responded with kind of like how disgusting it was and how it was like a, a crime or... There's people going, British food's terrible too. Or like, so there's a lot of people just assumed it was a negative. And I was like, no, I quite, I don't see why it's a bad idea. I can imagine Italians being a bit miffed. One of their uh, national dishes is being corrupted because it is a curious looking thing, spinach and fish finger pizza, but I'd eat it. I, I absolutely would. The The thing that got me in was that the name of the pizza wasn't just fish and pizza. So they called it pizza bastonicini di pesche. So they used the Italian to make it sound more enticing, I imagine. But if I was Italian, I would be offended by that as well. And then Nuova instead of Noi uh, or New. Yeah, they've really gone for it. Italian sort of stereotypes are that they're very protective of their food and that Mm -hmm. um, they get very offended very easily about their food being misused or... Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how true that is. I, I was, and I think I've said this before. I was served a pizza in Italy, um, and was instead of given a knife and fork, I was given um, some scissors. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not entirely convinced of the sort of Italy is the land of the finest food in the world. And also, I know from personal experience with certain foods that some countries will sort of bring a food in and make it better than the country that has made it you know i think there's there's a truth in that too i think there's a possibility for it i'm not saying the wrong but i'm not saying the right either but one of the things i was thinking was uh pizza was actually like and it's a weird food that italians to get annoyed about if they ever did because pizza was originally not a very interesting food for italians it was kind of considered to be a sort of poor mm-hmm. man's food to a certain extent and uh and then it went to america and became massive in america and then came back to Italy and it's actually coined the term the pizza effect which is the f- this is from the Wikipedia article the pizza effect is the phenomenon of elements of a nation or people's cultures being transformed or at least fully embraced elsewhere then re-imported to their culture of origin in the way pizza was so, so you're telling me there's an opportunity for us to, to make the pie effect and we can use all German ingredients to make pie and then oh, yes. take them back to the UK in a whole new dynamic flow of <laughs> German engineering. I think there is. I think there is. I'm not sure how well they'll sell because obviously they're still a bit hazy about the about Europe. I'm not sure if you noticed. <laughs> and also, I think the the, the, the logistical issues are, are are well documented. So maybe we uh, maybe we just keep it here until um, some yeah. point where we can export it. But a lot of people pointed out that that this fish finger pizza is like a combination of combination of Italian and British cooking. Or a combination of German 
and, and, and Italian and British cooking. I'm not sure how what the dynamic is. But I didn't realise that fish fingers were instantly assumed to be a British delicacy. Fish finger sandwiches, apparently. I mean, yeah, there's something I've had in my past, but Igloo is, is a German company, isn't it? Well, what is it in Britain? It's what Igloo it in and British? Bird's Eye in Britain. Bird's Eye. It's the same company. It's like how Walls, ice cream is Walls in Britain, but it's, here it's called uh, Langanese. Oh, so Igloo is, is, is based in the UK. Yeah. You would imagine that the first fish fingers would have been Scandinavian. I imagine that... Finland or some nice <laughs> northern coastal country would have been the first people to like freeze and then bread uh, a fish finger. No, I think freezing was discovered in Britain, the process of freezing. I think he f- discovered it in the 17th century. That might just be a random fact that I'm pulling out of my ass, but... That is impressive. The term fish finger is first referenced in a recipe given in a popular British magazine in 1900. Okay. And the dish is often considered symbolic of the United Kingdom. Now, I didn't know that, but there you go. Well, I mean, the other joyous thing to, to talk about whilst we have this topic is that, of course, fish finger is very British English. Uh, what do the Americans call them? Fish sticks. <laughs> yeah, they call them fish sticks. Yeah. And, of course, that makes me think of the amazing South Park episode where they, <laughs> where they get Kanye West <laughs> to not get the joke about how he likes fish sticks. <laughs> Sorry. It's, you that really tickled you, didn't you? It was really funny. I like fish sticks. I don't know. I mean, I never got really got into South Park. Um, I feel like it's something I should have got into, but I never really did. Yeah, I was never I was never a massive fan, but that is <laughs> that episode, episode tickled I you. enjoy a lot. <laughs> uh. um, yeah, so <laughs> it's such a weird tangent. That's the episode title. <laughs> weird tangent. Just one long weird tangent. So what other pizza variants would you go for? I mean, there's a lot of good stuff I think you can chuck on a pizza, especially British stuff that can make it really good. I would really be up for, um, I mean, the first ingredient's a tiny bit of prosciutto, uh, sort of a salty ham, and then with some black pudding, uh, and then some mushrooms. I think that would be a really nice combination. Ah, it sounds quite nice. Mm. Artisanal. <laughs> I'd say I'm thinking full on German pizza so you've got instead of tomato sauce you've got Jaeger schnitzel sauce mm-hmm. and then you've got schnitzel on the top and then I guess what kind of vegetable do you want to put with it Road coal. yeah that seems a bit heavy though you know what I mean like I think you put the you put the road coal on and, and you, it's game over it's game <laughs> over that pizza I don't think you can put cabbage on a pizza because I don't think it works really it's not going to crisp up is it it's just going to be a bit soggy Releases a lot of water, doesn't it? Mm. So I think you'd end up with quite a damp pizza, and that's that's the enemy of... Maybe if you dehydrate the cabbage <laughs> first, and then you end up with like a, a crispy cabbage crust. I think the crispy element, my thought was, do you know how you get um, Kirschspätzle, mm-hmm. and you get the Zwiebel, and the, the Knusperger Zwiebel mm-hmm. off, off the top, right? The crispy onions. That's the crispy element in my mind. Okay. And I think you get that. I think you get that on the top of a Jäger schnitzel as well. You sometimes get crispy onions on the mm-hmm. top. So we could just get more of that because you can't go wrong with very fried onions, you know. And we need we need another vegetable. That was my thought. Or just put cheese over it. Or we're just putting cheese. We're just putting birdcage over the top of it. Oh, not birdcage. And just have done. No, Too much. Tasting like hay. Uh. <laughs> tastes taste of the earth, my friend. That's what you want. It's an honest <laughs> flavour. I mean, I'd prefer that to, to butter kizza. I think that would be pretty abhorrent. But, I mean, that's like putting American cheese 
mm. on your pizza, like slices of, 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 of American cheese. I mean, American cheese has its place in the in the, in the food kaleidoscope, <laughs> but on top of pizza is probably not it. Yeah, I can't think of any mozzarella adjacent German cheeses, and, and why would there oh, be? Fuck it, we'll just, we'll just put mozzarella on it yeah. and have done with it. German made, hergestellt in yeah. Deutschland mozzarella. <laughs> 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 That's his unser mozzarella. Uh, yeah, that's what you want. Um, so that that would be my German German offering. I was telling you before we started recording that there was a pizza that I'd seen that was a English breakfast pizza. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that was exactly the problem I just mentioned, which is that it had a lot of ingredients that retained a lot of water, so like tomatoes and mm-hmm. things like that. So you you cook it, and essentially the middle would just be a liquid, yeah. and it was had those like cocktail sausages on it as well it was just it wasn't great it wasn't a great offering yeah i mean for those kinds of things you have to transition to the incredible quiche oh um, yeah which isn't much of a thing in deutschland either uh, i mean you do get you see a quiche lorraine every now and again in a cafe but it's not a staple here and as you say a lot of supermarkets in the uk will have seven or eight different quiches and one of them's always the all-day breakfast with sausages bacon mushrooms tomato in and it's just it's the perfect vessel um, for all of these ingredients. <laughs> the perfect vessel. We're going on a voyage of taste. I love quiche. Love it. Uh, we've got a friend, um, High Stage, who makes one of the most amazing things that I ever mm. came across, which was the breakfast pie. <sighs> I think I I almost fell in love with them that day he gave me a, a, a piece of it, which is, it's it's a pie, so it's got pastry, top and bottom, and then he's just filled it with layers and layers of various breakfast foods. And then the, the bit, the bit that he would he kept, he just whenever he told me about it, he repeated this bit of information over and over again, and and, and I didn't know why until I saw it. He then puts the lid on and cracks two eggs yeah. on the top. So what you end up with is essentially a pie with two fried eggs on the top, and then like every English breakfast staple running all the way through. It is it's a thing of beauty. It really is. And he only does it with ingredients from the UK or Ireland as well. He doesn't do it with, with German stuff. <laughs> So it's, it's a very rare thing when it does come around, but yeah. my God, what a time to be alive when it does happen. It does. I mean, it takes years off your off your life, but my God, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it every every time. Hello, Zutzamen. Grüß Gott. Oh, that's weird, Simon. You're not usually here. What, what are you doing? You're bursting in on my... Just roll with it. Come on. Okay, well, you know how this bit goes, because you've definitely done it before. Yeah. Uh, it's the bit where we say thank you to the listener. Thank you, listener, yeah. for downloading and listening to Decades From Home, but you've reached the end of the show. Thanks for listening, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also give us some star ratings on Spotify, uh, chuck us some stars in that direction or you can follow us on apple podcast or on google podcast app simon help me here what the what's the google podcast app called is it just called google podcast google cast yeah i feel i feel like this is a real <laughs> blind spot for both of us right uh, retweet us or share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home all lowercase on twitter or instagram you can also go and find close mit sauce mm-hmm. our uh, benevolent DJ. Uh, bavarian bavarian techno 
techno DJ who has happily and nicely provided us with a new theme song. You can find him on Instagram and on YouTube. Just search for close double S mit so double S and you will find his shenanigans, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, shenanigans is a good word. Find his shenanigans yeah. on online. If you feel so inclined, you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash decades from home where you can allow Nick to get his dream pair of Lederhosen. Uh, every little helps. And if we do get there, the Twitter will just become a series of photos of Nick's lovely thighs all wrapped in leather. <laughs> yes, all that any listener has ever wanted. My leather-wrapped thighs. <laughs> On a more serious front, we're continuing the po- to post links to support Ukraine and the millions of refugees fleeing the war in Ukraine. Uh, if you would prefer to give uh, money to a much more worthy cause than the podcast, please do it through one of these links. If you have some time, uh, take a look. And if possible, donate to support them. As ever, if you do have any questions, any feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover... You can tweet me, Simon, on at Decades From Home on Twitter, and you can get Nick at 40% German. You can also reach us on 40% German at gmail.com. And if you have time, please do take a look at 40%german.com, where weekly articles are up every single Saturday. All that's left to say is, Herzlichen Dank und bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Adieu.